18 years ago, the women in the company were in accounting and at the front desk. And it was just the nature of the business at the time. Since then, it's like you see all these great women performing these really important functions and in director positions and running teams. It kind of was very eye-opening that, okay, you know, we've come a long way and and I kind of blinked and 18 years went by. It wasn't something I really sat down and thought about, but oh my gosh, like what am I capable of? Welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction. This show asks questions that everybody is thinking about, but doesn't want to say out loud. It's about tackling complex topics like why are there so few women in senior leadership positions? What is it going to take to change this? Each episode is a combination of motivation and tactical strategies to get ahead. We get out of our comfort zones and we take action. We learn, grow, and create opportunities. I am your host, Andrea Jansen, a certified executive coach with an MBA, and since 2018, I've coached over a thousand construction professionals to level up their leadership. Let's get started. I am honored to share this interview with you with Lisa Fougere and Laura Hines from Lindsay Construction. They took part in the first cohort of our Leadership Accelerator for Women in Construction. In this episode, we talked about overcoming imposter syndrome, how to use your voice to bring value to your company, why delegating tasks that you're really good at is what's required to get you to your next level of leadership, and the importance of networking in your own company and how to do this in a really authentic way. Hello, welcome to Ambition Theory, Women in Construction, Laura and Lisa. I am so honored that you are here today to share your leadership story. Laura Hines, welcome. Can you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do? I'm Laura Hines with Lindsay Construction, marketing and communications specialist with the company. I've been here 18 years, long time. <laughs> we were general contractor in Atlantic Canada for all the provinces. We were established 1959, so we've been around a few years. And yeah, we've got a really great group. Can you tell me what you love about the construction industry? The construction industry is always changing and no two days are ever the same. And I love seeing nothing pleases me more than a design build project that looks exactly like the rendering and something we can showcase and be proud of and a happy client and just really seeing new staff come through and just kind of make their way in the industry. And yeah, it's just, it's a process. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that story with us, Laura. Lisa Fougere, welcome to the podcast. Can you introduce yourself and tell us about what you do at Lindsay Construction? Absolutely. So I'm Lisa Fougere. I'm here with you today and thank you for having me. I'm with Lindsay Construction for 10 years as the controller. And uh, yeah, it's been a fabulous 10 years. I started in a very junior role and I've worked my way all the way up to controller. What do you love about the construction industry? Hands down, it's the people, the, the connections that you make along the way. Everybody from the, the field, you know, the roofers, the clatters to, you know, the, the trades and then, you know, our project management team. And it's just the people and connections you make along the way. And, and being part of something that's the building, I guess, like that tangible build, right? In the community, like to look around and, and see the buildings in the community that you, your company's been part of. That's cool. Thank you. And I'm so honored that you are both here today. So you both took part in our Leadership Accelerator. I want to ask you some questions about what it was like. And so first, Laura, I wonder if you could take me back to before 
you signed up for the course and tell me what was going on for you. I wrote proposals here for 17 years and then went on maternity leave in 2020. So while I was off on maternity leave, pandemic kind of started uh, right away. So just kind of looking at my work identity and what I was coming back to and we had hired a really fantastic proposal writer to replace me. I just kind of saw this opportunity where we could do better. So we could do better with marketing and communications and just kind of up our game significantly. So I made a pitch to come back to a different role and, and keep her and, and it all kind of worked out. With respect to the course, I've seen a male colleague participated in that podcast that you had done. We'll put the episode to this link. This was with Jeremy Tucker, who is a, he's a project superintendent, right, Laura? Operation superintendent. Operation superintendent. So we'll put a link to that podcast in the show notes. Yeah. So basically just, it was scary and it seemed like a good fit for the, the new role that I was about to take on. I don't usually do courses because my, my days are full and I had a new baby at home, but I thought I was restarting my education with McMaster at the time. It just seemed like a really good opportunity. So I subsequently figured out that there were two other colleagues in the course, which we kind of banded together during the process and met some wonderful ladies along the way and came out the other side. Okay. That's really awesome that you kind of use that opportunity to write your own job description. I'm curious how that was received. It's really interesting because like somebody replaced you, right? And you said they were fantastic. And often unconsciously, women can kind of get into this competitive situation, right? It could be threatening, especially COVID, uncertainty. And you really approach a situation with abundance, opportunity. How can we level up the company? How can we deliver more value? I'm just really curious, during those COVID times, it was very uncertain. How are you able to keep yourself so positive, so opportunity-minded, like really showing up with abundance in that navigation? I was very bad at being on maternity leave. I wasn't very good at staying away. I kind of had 17 years here where I had a second family here. So um, just kind of keeping those relationships and conversations going while I was off and just really talking it out. I took the idea to my CEO president and said, I, I kind of made the, the low level pitch. And, and I clearly remember the moment he said, I need to hear you say it. And he maybe doesn't remember this, but I said, say what? And he said, you need a change. And I said, oh my gosh, I need a change. And he said, okay, let's go. And we uh, we refined the job description that I put in front of them and kind of saw an opportunity to make some gains just in the area of communications all around and kind of become just a support network for some new people, the proposal writer in particular. And yeah, I just, I never... I guess I was never scared or threatened by, by her position because I was so excited about this new journey. So it all happened pretty quickly. And then from there, I just kind of was off to the races. So I decided like, okay, I'm here. I kind of got myself this far and now it's time to go supercharge it. Was that kind of your motivation? Yeah. 17 years was a really long time to do the same thing every day. And I was also, uh, I started as a temp here for two weeks. So it really wasn't something I never thought I'd be in construction. I always just, I worked for a law firm for a long time and, and kind of floated around after that for a little while. And it just really presented itself where I got excited by marketing and, and just the brand and owning an area of the company that could help every area. So safety operations, the regional offices, estimating pre-con, it just kind of came together. And I, I just consider myself really, really lucky. 
That's awesome. Well, lucky, I would say like lucky, hardworking, take advantage of opportunities, <laughs> put yourself out there. <laughs> Too. Yeah. <laughs> All of those things. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Laura. Lisa, can you talk about kind of what was going on for you before you signed up? So for me, I guess I was at a very pivotal point in, in my life, not just in my career, but just in general as a person. Come recently come through a period of tremendous personal loss and change and like everyone dealing with the challenges of a global pandemic. All around, I think I was just in a bit of a transformational rut. One of my colleagues reached out asking if I'd be interested in the leadership course for women in construction. I thought it might be a great fit for me. And I jumped in and I said, yes. And I guess it, it's been a wonderful experience. I'm really curious because you joined, I think, last minute. And I think you were even like a day or two late coming in, Lisa. What I'm made lost. you say yes instead of saying, no, 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 I'll wait till the next round or... Because there's always reasons to say no, right? Like busy, late, you're behind, you're starting. There's so many reasons why you could have said no. What made you say yes? I think just inherently knowing it's time. Like it's time. Like you can't stay in this state, right? Like now or never kind of position almost. It, it Like mentally for myself, right? I just, I just knew after some of the challenges that I'd been faced with and in the uh, year leading up to that point in time that... It was really, time was of the essence and I needed to do it for my own mental health. Okay. And so can you describe a little bit more, like, let's focus on the professional side of things. Yeah. Was there something like holding you back or blocking you from kind of like leveling up your leadership? I would say my career path was very organic the way it came about. And my, my own self-confidence was just holding me back. I didn't understand or recognize the work that I had put in to land in the position that I'm in. And, and really own that and not be, not be shy to, to say that, I think. Okay. So it's really about like that self-confidence and recognizing everything that you bring, all the things that you've brought to the table. Cause like the list is long. I've heard you list your accomplishments and it's a very long list. Like then you've like delivered tremendous value to the company. So it was about like, was that the thing? Was like it was like the missing piece was taking ownership of that? I think so. Just allowing myself to be present in that moment with myself, who I am or who I've developed into as, you know, as controller, right? Like I, I like I mentioned, it was organic. I started in a very junior role and I cross-trained myself into, you know, eventually an acting controller position. And, and eventually that became a full-time thing for me. And I guess maybe at some point, I, at one point, I don't, I don't know, I thought maybe I was the default answer to that, to that role. It's just because I had been there for a while and understood the functions of the department. But of course, that's not the case. There's always a choice. They could have went outside and hired for the role. And somewhere in my, I just got stuck that it, I was a, a default and not, I hadn't actually earned that. But, you know, that's not, through, through some of the exercises we did in, in your course, I, I recognize that, you know, I put the time in and I, I have value and I deserve to be where I am. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Lisa. Laura, how about you? Is, was there something kind of blocking you from kind of leveling up from a leadership perspective, kind of going all in with your new role? I always say I didn't really choose construction. It chose me, not really in a negative way in any way, shape or form, but it definitely wasn't. I never thought it'd fill my days talking about design, build, general contracting, construction management. So. And all the things that come with that. But then I would see all these women coming through. These project coordinators always were on a mission. They wanted to be a project manager or a senior project manager or a project director. And, and they were on such a 
such a direct path. And so I think I just got inside my head too much and and you just overthink things and talk yourself out of them. And, and kind of, I was, I was kind of at a turning point where I've never had a, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but I've never had a boss whose job I wanted. I never wanted to be vice president of business development or, or the director of pre-construction or vice president of operations. And I've gone through all these all these managers and and not once was I like, oh my gosh, I'm on that path just because it didn't feel right. So so I kind of had to just make my own, make my own job, make my own way and and just kind of figure it out as I go. So we're getting there. Okay. So it's really about realizing that, you know what, like this, because construction is evolving, right? There's lots of innovation. The way projects are done is changing. So it sounds like that you kind of saw this situation where like the current structure, maybe I don't fit, right? Like I don't see that ladder, which is really common for women. Most women, when you talk to them, they don't have that straight path up to the top. It's usually like a diagonal path. And it sounds like for you, there was like, you know what, that thing is not existing right now. How do I create it? Was that kind of what was happening? Like 18 years ago, the women in the company were in accounting and at the front desk. And it was just the nature of the business at the time. Since then, it's like you see all these great women performing these really important functions and in director positions and running teams. It kind of was very eye-opening that, okay, you know, we've come a long way and and I kind of blinked in 18 years went by. It wasn't something I I really sat down and thought about, but oh my gosh, like what am I capable of? And, and this course really opened up your eyes to thinking like, okay, I deserve I deserve this role. And, and they, like Lisa said, I'm, I'm here for a reason and somebody believed in me enough to put me here. So it's, it feels good. So I want to talk about the coaching because the main thing that we do in our course is like there's curriculum, but there's also the coaching, which is really focused on your mindset and just shifting that perspective. Lisa talked about that shift in perspective from, okay, the only reason they picked me because I was here for 10 years and there was no other option to actually they picked me because 10 years of delivering value, building relationships, bringing all this expertise to the table. That is actually the reason why they picked me. So Lisa, you talked about that mindset shift that you had during the course. Laura, I'm wondering if there was a shift that happened for you that you could share. Week one of coaching, I was just nauseous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to talk to these women. I don't know these women. Is it really a safe place? Like Andrew keeps saying like, okay, outside your box is where the magic happens. And and I don't, I, I stay in my lane and I, I don't go outside the box. And I'm, I'm try pretty, try to be pretty non-controversial. <laughs> so to take those thoughts and kind of expel them to a group of women that you don't know and don't have history with was the first week, like just, I was sweating. I was nervous. <laughs> I was just like, please don't call on me. And then you get called on. And <laughs> by week two and three, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't wait for a lot, like 10 o'clock. Like, I'm just so excited to to block out the world and see what these women are up to. And, and you strangely become so invested with them. And if someone makes a shift or a move and you're cheering them on behind your screen, and it's just like a a very powerful experience. Okay. I love that you brought that up. So this idea of like success, like you are the average of the people you spend time with, right? So you were spending time with people who are getting out of their comfort zone, working towards their goals, like every week for eight weeks. So tell me like what happened to you? Like, I, I like, I love that. <laughs> I don't know if I could tell how nervous you are in the first week. So thank you for sharing that. But tell me like what happened between week one and two, where you realized like, 
leaning into these people, getting uncomfortable, building community, that is something really magical and really, really amazing that went from something literally like you're hiding from me. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like started out from hiding to actually wanting to lean in, wanting to explore, wanting to get uncomfortable. What happened between week one and two? just being called out in the process, but in like the very best way. So I would find myself with negative language. I would see, you know, somebody in the screen perk up and you would say, don't do that. Don't like, you got to flip the script and, and think about the positive. Like you have, you know, earned this role and, and, you know, you're overcoming obstacles every week and, and just kind of feeling that other people were invested in me too. And, and maybe you kind of have hidden in your office for a number of years and just kind of put your, put your head down and, and hid behind the screen and all that. And just kind of gradually you just find yourself walking down the hall to have a conversation with someone instead of, you know, hiding behind the screen or just, it, it made it very, it was a very personal experience and, and just very eye-opening that you're not alone and, and meeting these women who are, who are moms as well and multitasking and, and being rerouted in their lives and, and just being, you know, inheriting a placement that's, several provinces away and just you suddenly become very lucky to have that group of women to, to bounce things off of and and just connect with so I love you so for you Laura I know you've kind of like taken this like connection piece and like brought it back to your career so can you tell me what kind of that led to the fact that you're being intentional about relationship building it was the delegating for me every week every week I got called out on you know, you need to delegate, you need to, you know, put yourself in this other category where it's okay to hand off tasks that you know how to do and you're capable of doing and, and just to, to really grow in this new role and, and coming from being a coordinator to a specialist role and then knowing that maybe manager is next and having a team of people and just kind of the constant improvement and, and just really validating why you're here and how you got here and how you're going to keep going was something I never ever thought about because it was just I was the proposal coordinator and and that was that and I was I was seemingly good we won some work and 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 yeah it's just a different a different ball game okay I want to talk about delegation because this is something it's not just you that that this is a challenge or this is a documented with research that that's kind of like the hardest thing to get to that next level of leadership is realizing that the things that I'm really good at is actually not what I need to be doing if I want to level up to that next level. It's really more of that, like you talked about, leaning into those relationships and delegating. But can you talk about the pain of delegation? Because it is really painful and it's really hard and it sounds easy, right? Oh, just delegate it to your team. But when it comes down to it, what if they screw up, right? What if the stakes are really high and they don't deliver? How, do, how did you kind of get over some of those challenges? The leadership assessment that we got where our peers evaluated us and, and were very honest and, and not seemingly anonymous among the group was definitely eye-opening and, and emotional for me because it kind of brought to the forefront that, you know, I, I should be using team members and I just because I can do it doesn't mean I should be doing it. I, I have other individuals, capable individuals to lean on and and somebody had written in there, like the fear of letting other people fail is not a reflection on your ability um, or your capabilities. And just, you've called me out on that a few times as well. And just really pumped me up to, you know, 
make, just to make the move and not be afraid to just because it takes me the longest, the same amount of time to draft the instructions and the deadlines and all this other stuff doesn't mean that I should just take that on because my time is valuable too. So it's just kind of changing your mentality and your attitude and holding other people accountable is not a bad thing. It's going to help them grow. It's going to help the company grow and just all the things that, that I kind of aspire to be. So. So that is really cool that you brought that up about our assessment, because this was really the first time we've ever done that assessment as a group. So we, we used to do it individually. And you said something really powerful that I never actually thought was going to be an outcome of the assessment, but it's really cool that it is. You talked about having this community of women in the program that support you and are invested in you. Your own company that is invested in your success, when they wrote things like those comments that you're saying, they're literally that when I, when you said that out loud, I'm like, they are so invested in Laura's success. How fortunate are you to have all those people like rooting for you, like in the background and maybe you didn't even know it before. So I think that's really powerful. And how does it feel now to know that you have this community of people in the company that are kind of have your back rooting for your success? I actually keep a copy of that assessment on my desk and I just kind of, kind of peek over every once in a while and and my work friend just said to me repeatedly, like, I don't know why you're so surprised by these bullet points and, and these, you know, these styles that you operate under, like, for, you know, they're, they shouldn't be a surprise to you. And I said, just seeing it in print is so eye-opening. And just like Lisa said, like, she worked towards this and she spent the time and put in the work and, and got this position for a reason. And there's always an outside choice. And, and just kind of knowing that this group, this core group, Think so highly and and just kind of and has your back it, is there's some reassurance there and the and the network you can bounce things off of like in a sponsorship campaign scenario it just it's kind of life changing to know that people think highly of you and, and it is strange to see it in print was the big the big one for me. So I'm not curious because this is something that comes up and I know I'm totally, these are not the questions I said to you in advance. I'm really curious because one thing like I found with working with women in construction, the performance review system in most companies is really focused on the tangible skills, right? It's very focused on the hard skills, whereas not so much on the soft skills. So when, and you talked about seeing these words in print, right? About your leadership potential, about the skill, the strengths that you bring to the table. Have you ever seen that in a performance review before? Just explain what that looks like. And I'm just so curious about it. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? It's that feeling that you don't deserve to be there and you don't know what you're doing. At any moment, people will reveal that you're a fraud and that you don't belong. Until recently, imposter syndrome was considered an internal problem, something that's in your head, and it was up to you, the individual, to solve this problem. I want to tell you today that this assumption is wrong. There is new research that explains why imposter syndrome is a systemic issue and not an individual problem. We've created a free report exploring the evidence and providing strategies companies can use to address this. Here's the truth. If you're a woman in construction, imposter syndrome is not all in your head. Get the report at ambitiontheory.ca forward slash imposter. I've never seen it in that format and I'm not going to lie. I think it was week one or two and, and kind of staring down the curriculum and saying, okay, we're going to expect you to submit five to seven or eight names. I like <laughs> to do your leadership brand assessment. 
my first thought, I mean, it was instant. My first thought was I'm not a leader by nature. And, and that's why I'm here. And honest to goodness, it was my very, it just resonated so powerfully. And, and I'd spoken to some other women and, and kind of said like, oh my gosh, like I don't have leadership skills and I am not in that bucket of, you know, directors and managers and senior officials. And, and just to come out the other side of that with, you know, knowing that people feel that I do have potential and I do have this skill set, and, and I just hear the, you're very focused on not being negative, but here's some areas of, you know, where you're really excelling was, was just, it was career changing for me. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like leadership expectations. I, I feel like in construction, it's that transactional versus transformational leadership. It's really that title, right? Title is so important, right? It's like director, they have leadership skills, right? But for some reason, you didn't think that you did. But actually, everybody in the company actually has been looking to you, probably, I would guess, for the past 17 years for leadership. Because leadership is really about influence, right? It's not about, it's more about that influence than it is about that title. And you clearly, that report shined all the leadership skills, brought it all to the table, which is really cool that you have it. And I love that you keep it beside your desk because uh, that is a 100% confidence booster to read what other people say your strengths are. It's such a great reminder to lean into that every day. So is there something from that assessment that you're like, whew, because the idea is like we find out what your strengths are and you just do more of it because that's where you build that influence. Is there something that you've been leaning in? Well, the very last note was, do you have anything else to say? And I, I kind of narrowed down who wrote it, but they said, like, I hope Lord knows that she has a voice and she's heard. And and it, it, it causes some emotion because when you do work behind the screen and behind the scenes for, for so long and you pump out this material, then you're on to the next one and, and you're not forward facing with or, or directly facing clients. And you're not in rooms with project teams all the time. It just to know that you're, you're heard when you do speak up really resonated. Oh, that is really cool. So it's like, is that kind of like the theme that you're taking away with you? Is that like, you know, I'm going to use my voice more. I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to find those opportunities. Yep. I think um, just speaking up and not being afraid. Somebody had said that during the session, like you don't want to ever ask a stupid question and you can say as many times as you want. There's no such thing as a stupid question, but you always feel like you're the one who is less knowledgeable than these engineers and practitioners and specialists and consultants and trades, and they all know their buckets so, so well. And, and I used to say like, I'm not in construction, I'm in sales and marketing. And it's like, no, I'm absolutely in construction. And, and you know, and I can probably hold my own. So we'll, we'll hang on to that. Yeah, totally. I love that. Thanks for sharing that, Laura. Lisa, how about you? You talked about already that shift that happened from, yes, I deserve to be here. Yes, I bring a lot to the table. There's some pretty awesome things that people said in your assessment too. Can you talk about some of the shifts that happened for you in the coaching? Yeah, absolutely. So probably the biggest shift is just recognizing that I am a leader in all of that. And it sounds crazy to say that out loud, but, you know, just just based on my path and knowing my, my inner critic, that is, that has been the biggest mind shift for me. And that it, and second to that, I would say that, you know, I've, I've got a, a very capable team and that it's okay to delegate. Like it's okay to delegate those tasks. I've done, I've done the roles and, you know, Laura spoke to it earlier as well. Like just because I understand the process and I, I've done it at one point in my career, doesn't make it mine to do. 
And by allowing myself to delegate that to my capable team, it gives them growth and empowerment um, opportunity as well, as allows me to clear my deck, well, not clear my desk, but to, to focus on larger initiatives, bigger projects, right? Yeah. Can you talk about some of the impact of that? Like that, just having that headspace to actually like own that leadership position, right? Like, you know what? It sounds like the shift that you made is like, you know, maybe I'm not responsible to deliver the day-to-day work anymore, but like, tell me about what happens when you have that headspace to like, think about the future, think about those bigger projects. Well, I, I think it's, it's, it's empowering, I guess. And you're just allowing yourself to struggling to find the right words, but to, 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 to engage with, with other departments and, and meaningful ways and internal initiatives that, you know, impact not only your department, but interdepartmentally in the, in the company and, and just create meaningful change, like recognize efficiencies and, and more effective ways of, of conducting work. I love it. So literally like making it more effective, bringing more value, building those relationships. Is that kind of what you were able to create the time for? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm, I'm starting to see the shift where I'm, I'm setting the meeting. I'm, I'm setting, sending the meeting invite out with the topic and, you know, aligning what the process could look like from, from a documentation standpoint, right? We're, we're very big and trying to document the process as we go here and a management system kind of way, right? Like this is how we, how, how Lindsay's does work, like an operating procedure. And, uh, um, yeah, it's been good. Oh, that's really cool from a growth perspective. Cause then you're like systematizing things so the company can grow and you could still be the leader because you have all these processes that you can lead within the company. Well, I'm part of, I wouldn't say lead, but I'm, you know, I'm part of developing and documenting and, and providing insight certainly from my department as we go along that's awesome that's really cool okay so one thing you want to talk about is the training that we do at ambition theory is really different than other training that happens in the construction industry and in that ours is really the main focus is implementation even on day one laura you talked a little bit about just kind of like leaving and starting to apply what you're learning right away can you talk about what that was like just having that accountability to actually apply what you learned right away. And then also talk about what you were able to implement during the eight week course. So I'll start with you, Lisa. For implementation for me, uh, like I'm kind of naturally an introverted person. So networking was something that I could easily implement the next day, right? Like whether, and I had to build up in my head that networking was this exhausting, forceful thing with interacting with strangers. And you know, that for an introvert, that's like a, like a death sentence, but as you know, you can do it in easy ways. Like it's as easy as having lunch in the lunchroom and engaging with the people outside of your department and just outside of your work function, right? Just to ask about their weekend. Another thing I've done is volunteered on various fundraising campaigns now here at Lindsay's just to get my, my face out there outside of my normal day-to-day role and as a person. And how was that kind of like that person? Because like you're in accounting, right? So accounting is, you know, way out in the corner, not maybe not in the forefront all the time, but you've kind of put yourself in the forefront. You're building those relationships with other people in the company. You're kind of building your personal brand, letting people know who you are. How has that helped you? And how has you think that's helped them? For me personally, I think it's just exercising my voice. I have a voice. I'm, I'm starting to find it. And it's a bit like 
working a muscle, right? Like you, every time that I, I speak up in a, in a large group setting or in that lunchroom awkwardly, you know, trying, trying to interact that way, it just gets a little bit easier. And I think, you know, for the company, I think that's just, it's important to do to, to facilitate interdepartmental, you know, communication, right? It's, it's very important. You know, accounting is very much a support department and, you know, we are operationally driven, but the work that we do here is just as meaningful, I don't know, in, in that support capacity. And do you think with kind of like, as you're documenting these process that you, because you've started building those relationships, it's been a bit easier? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think traditionally finance and, and uh, operations can be at, at a bit of loggerheads, you know, in traditional senses. But I think if we can say learn to, to play well together or communicate well together, I think we can accomplish great things. That's awesome. Thank you, Lisa. But Laura, how about you? I want you to share some of this immediate implementation, what you were able to implement and what that led to. The goal setting was pretty major for me. I never really thought ahead. And I think I still have that original days mentality and just kind of getting through the days and, and evenings where my, my life had changed significantly, just becoming a new parent and wanting to find that whole work balance and and just kind of knowing that it's okay to shut it down for a little while and, and take time for yourself. And we had some communications and really good dialogue about health and wellness and, and looking after yourself. And, and I watched some other people having similar struggles and, and just kind of coming out the side, knowing that, you know, you need to talk about these things. And when you bury them and, and just, they just, they grow and grow and grow in your brain and it becomes a bigger, bigger issue. And I've, said before my husband would say like oh you know this other party isn't thinking about this at the dinner table and you know you just need to to shed it for a little while and and not overthink things and it's just just a little, little tasks I've said you don't really realize how much you learned and how much you grew until you're you know in front of somebody and and you're not liking the way that conversation's going and I've said I've found myself speaking up and then oh my gosh who said that and now it, it was me who said it and you know that's <laughs> And it's just really, really transformative. So is it really like the thing that you implemented the most was that last comment on your assessment, like that Laura has a voice and we want to hear, I don't know exactly what it said, but Laura, it's kind of like Laura has a voice and we need to hear it more. Is that kind of like the main thing that you implemented from the course? I think it was no longer hiding behind the screen. And just, I mean, I was so scared before, like the phone would ring and I could that phone number and so I could expect what the conversation was going to be or you know, as somebody with a sponsorship opportunity. And I've absolutely, I mean, sponsorships come our way every single day and we can't say yes to all of them. And we really pride ourselves on what we do in the community, but there's a soft way to explain to people, you know, no. And that is, you know, can you do this task for me? No, but I know who can, <laughs> as opposed to like, I can do it for you. Just leave it on the desk in the big pile and, and, I'll, and I'll get to it. I love like, it. So it's like being more strategic and thinking, how is this, do I need to do it? Or is this an, or is this an absolute no, right? I love that you're saying no. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying no and encouraging After. people to move down the chain because there are some really great capable people and, and it's not a bad thing for everyone to be busy and, and not have, you know, certain people severely overloaded. And, and uh, my dad used to say, if you want something done, give it to the busiest person in the whole office. And I'd always think about that because I was, you know, still, I'm a very busy person and, but we're all busy and it's subjective and people's time is their own. And, you know, we have to prioritize though. So, so it's not a, it's not a bad thing to hand things over. 
Yeah, I love it. Okay, so I do want to talk about this idea of taking action, getting out of your comfort zone, trying new things. It doesn't always go as planned, right? Like you can have great intention to try to implement a new thing and it doesn't work. Did that happen to you, Laura, during the course? Boundaries were, were struggle for me. They every day are a struggle for me. It's really hard to say no. And it's, I'm not good at delegating. I'm just, I'm not, <laughs> but I'm trying really hard to get better. So how did you keep trying, right? Because it's easy to give up, right? It's like, oh, I tried to say no, I didn't. So then you just kind of keep going in your own ways. How are you able to remember to keep showing up, keep flexing that muscle, keep kind of practicing that skill? I've actually weirdly gone, not weirdly, but gone back to my job description several, every several weeks. I, I kind of dig that document out and really I wrote that document. It's what I pitched. It's what I was in excited about and does that this action item does this task fit in that bucket and if it doesn't there's probably a better a better person to tackle not better person but another person to tackle it so so just kind of reminding myself periodically I think oftentimes we have a job description and it kind of goes in the drawer in the binder and you never really go back to it but for me it's it's holding myself accountable and and just trying to trying to continuously improve. Is my it okay to call you out on something right now that I just noticed? I okay. expected you to call me out on something. <laughs> you said, you like, you said in this interview, I'm not good at goal setting. I've never done this before. But you wrote that job description before we ever met. And the fact that you're going back to it, like that was your goal. Like that job description, when you wrote it while you were on maternity leave, that was you setting goals. So you are good at setting goals. You demonstrated it. <laughs> You went, you put yourself out there to the CEO and the CEO actually challenged you to level it up and say, I need you to say it out loud, which I love that. That's coaching behavior. That's coaching leadership style. I love that they did that. The fact that you're using that as like your North Star, as your home base, as when you're in, you know, maybe you're not at the delegating at the level you want you to be. You're like, okay, I remember I set this goal. Let me review. Let me go back to what I wanted for myself and just check in. I think that is so powerful that you're doing that. Don't forget, you are, you're actually pretty good at goal setting and holding yourself accountable. I'm just putting that out to you right now. No, I appreciate that. I needed that. So thank you for getting uncomfortable there. Lisa, can you kind of describe the before and after from taking this course, like from your leadership perspective? Before the after from a leadership perspective, I would say just, I know it sounds crazy, but just recognizing that I am a leader. I have a fabulous team. I have a voice and, you know, meaningful things to say on different topics that come through my email. And I'm not, I'm not hanging back waiting for some to see what somebody else responds on the email first. Now I, I see myself like it comes in my email and I respond. Yeah. So I don't know how to, to summarize that in the end. I think it's from like, you were kind of like almost like that imposter syndrome. You're like, I'm in this position, but I'm not a leader. And now you're acting like the leader. You were like, I am in charge of this department. I am going to put my opinion out there. I'm going to influence this decision. That's kind of what I'm noticing in you. Imposter syndrome was huge for me. You know, even just reading some of the articles throughout the course and just understanding that it's not no, it's not unique to just me, but it is a thing. And, you know, I can give it a name and I can frame it the right way in my head now and, and move forward and respond to the email, pick up the phone, make the call, you know, talk to that person in the lunchroom. 
I love that you started saying with emails and then you said <laughs> relationship, 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 call, phone, lunchroom, in person. I think that's the biggest transformation I've seen in you is that you're kind of like hiding behind the email, but now it's like, yeah, I'll use the email if I have to, but recognizing that you have this influence and you can use it by connecting with these people. I think that's incredible. Laura, how about you? What was kind of like the before and after for you? I think just not hiding behind your screen and just kind of continually looking for opportunities and, you know, if your door is open and they're having a conversation outside my door, just kind of not being afraid to jump in and, and, oh, you're almost done that project. Okay. Should we be photographing it? Are they happy? Can we, you know, request a reference letter and just being more proactive all around. It's those conversations and those sidebars where you get the most valuable materials. So it's worth kind of speaking up, not feeling like you're interrupting their their moment, but you're interrupting in the very best way. And and then you've kind of established the baseline for next time. And they're going to think of you when they're finishing a project and just not being afraid to uh, to use your voice. I'm so interested that in the response that you're getting, though, because the people in your survey said, please use your voice more. And now you are. So I kind of have a feeling you use the word interrupting. I don't think you're actually interrupting when you go and talk to those people, I bet their reaction is, oh, we're so happy Laura's here to talk to us and help us showcase this amazing work we're doing to help us get more clients so we could do more work like that. Have you noticed like a difference in the receptive people? I've noticed a difference in just kind of, I, like I invited myself to the operations meeting. I wasn't necessarily thought of for the operations meeting, but I said, hey, this is a good chance for me to see what the status of this project is and who's happy and who we should be thinking of in six months when we wrap up. And everyone was kind of like, Oh, you caught that at the meeting? Like you just kind of, they were surprised in the beginning and like, why is she here? But not in a bad way, just kind of in, oh shoot, like <laughs> that client's not happy. So we shouldn't talk about them anymore. But it just, people have been thinking about me more and more coming in and, and really starting the dialogue instead of just over the last six months, just kind of me having to seek them out and really pin them in a corner to talk about things because they're busy at and they have a lot going on and project coordinators are so, so busy, but they're so, their feelings on the projects are so valuable. And some of my favorite conversations are those sidebars. And, and now they're thinking about me, which is really, really great. Ooh, this is the power of when you like lean into your leadership brand, right? People are attracted to you, right? And opportunities are attracted to you. Oh, I love that that's happening. So I think the shift for you is like, instead of you being like marketing, we got to do the marketing, we got to do the marketing. Now it's like they're coming to you. Here's a great story. Here's something we need to do. Like the, the wheels are shifted and they're like attracted to your leadership brand and they want to help you and they want to be aligned with you because you're like making things happen. So that is awesome. I'm just offering them pictures of projects they worked on and put them on their wall and giving them an opportunity to kind of showcase those and talk about them and kind of you know, it goes both ways. So by putting it on social media, they can share it, say, hey, mom, look what I did. <laughs> and it's just kind of, it's, it's just trying to improve all around and keep that dialogue going. I love it. It's like that cheesy saying, when the tide rises, like all boats rise, you're like literally living and breathing that value, Laura. I love it. Okay. This is our last question. So we always end our podcast with a 24 hour action that people can take. We always end our coaching sessions with one too. So Laura, I'm wondering if you could share one 24-hour action that you took in the course, and then together we can kind of unpack how people listening can just start applying that in there. I think mine was going to be inviting myself to that ops meeting. It was kind of a big deal for me to kind of go into somebody's office that's higher up and say, hey, like, I know I wasn't thought of, but here are the reasons I should sit there. And he said, heck yeah, like, didn't occur to me. And that, that would be valuable for you. So that was really eye-opening for me and, and kind of, you know, felt like I belonged. So but it was a nice moment. So let's break that down. So really find a meeting, find a group, find a 
somebody to talk to that you're not typically included in and get yourself included. I think the 24 action would be you called the one person in charge of the meeting and asked if you could be invited. So I think a great action for people listening would be like, think about a place where you would love to be inserted and just reach out, start building that relationship with the one person that like could get you invited to that. Well, I do think for him, for him, it wasn't like transformational or eye-opening or just kind of anything that he really, he was like, heck yeah, just come and yeah. get you invited. And, and it was just kind of like a blip for him. But for me, it just meant kind of having all this other information accessible and it was really beneficial. So I actually really look forward to those monthly meetings. Oh, that's amazing. Well, you got to see the table. You have more influence. <laughs> like, how many months have you had? I've been there probably last three or five, probably five months. Yeah. Five months. Okay. So I can't wait till it's been a year. Like what's going to come out of this? It's kind of awesome. Okay. Lisa, how about you? Is there a, a 24 hour action that you remember from the course that you could share with the audience? For me, I guess we've talked about it a little bit, but delegating the tasks. You can remember being at a month end and, you know, just uh, cost transfers, like we have a stack of cost transfers to do. And it's, it, it's something that I've, I've always done, I guess. It's followed me throughout the, the path. And, um, you know, I had a margin review. Like I had to look at, you know, the margins on the projects for the month. And, you know, just, just taking that action to delegate those cost transfers, it's not mine. And making the conscious decision that I, they're not mine anymore, period. And, and to be able to hit that deadline to complete the margin review. So how did you know that was the thing you needed to delegate? It's... It's just a little bit sort of held on to, like they're, they're familiar, you know, we talked about it and it's just easier to hang on to familiar bits than to forge forward into something that's in an uncomfortable space. And, and oh, that, that is a good action. So find something that you're really comfortable doing and then delegate it to someone else, because I'm sure it was really easy for you to teach someone how to do it. Right, Lisa? I mean, they know how to do it. That's oh, they know. The okay. <laughs> There's no excuse for me to hang on to those whatsoever. Other than they came across my desk and, you know, or they were in my door pocket. There's really no reason for me to hang on to that. There are others that can do it. Okay, okay. it. Delegate yeah. something with the 24 hours. That is a great action. All right, Lisa, how do people connect with you? Is LinkedIn the best way? Absolutely. Okay. We'll put your link in the show notes. And Laura, does LinkedIn work for you as well? Yeah, LinkedIn's fantastic. Okay, I'll put the link in the show notes. How do people learn more about Lindsay Construction? That's the website, lindsayconstruction.ca. We're on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and just info at lindsayconstruction.ca. Amazing. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable and sharing your leadership journeys with us today. 